It's a beautiful Sunday morning. I would like to welcome you all to the New Wine Temple of the International Central Gospel Church. I like that. Put your hands together for the Lord. Now this morning, turn to somebody, give them a very warm smile. The very best smile you can muster this morning. Give them a warm smile. Let them feel the smile. Tell them you are in the right place, at the right time, in the right company, doing the right thing. Do you believe it? Put your hands together one more time in the house and let out a shout to God. If you are here worshiping with us for the very first time, what a day to be here in the presence of the Lord. Why don't you rise to your feet so we give a big new wine welcome to you if you are here for the first time today. Let's, let's celebrate them. If you are here for the first time, rise to your feet. Let's put our hands together. Wow. Good to see you. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you for coming. Wow. Thank you very much. Please be seated. You have been given a card that seeks a few details about your life. Please fill it out. And after the service, please make time to join us in our guest lounge to my right with a glass covering after the service. We would like to interact very briefly with you, have some refreshment and talk about Jesus. It's a good time to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Let me especially welcome my guest for today, all the way from London, joining us with song Minister Isaac Suma. Let's put our hands together for him. Wonderful. I've known Minister Isaac since 1979. We went to Form 1 together. So it's a few years and he's been consistent in following Jesus. And we've been great friends over the years. Thank you for coming. Thank you, my regards to the family when you get back. Let's appreciate him one more time for joining us. I'm speaking today in God's word on open up your eyes. Tell somebody, open up your eyes. This is part two of our series on one big family in Christ. Last week in part one, we laid a foundation with our gathering theme scripture for the year, John 6, 12, which says, so when they were filled, he said to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. We established that God is interested in the fragments, the broken pieces, the scattered, rejected elements of our lives. We also learned that we must preserve the harvest God gives us so that nothing is missing or lost. We thirdly established that we must fill the baskets with abundance. So though your beginning is small, you will end with an overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. We then look at David's return from the rebellion of Absalom and concluded that when we have an exclusionist mentality or posture, a small-minded posture or a confrontational posture, we will inherit two tribes instead of the 12 that God has originally designed for us. In this year of gathering, may you not miss your blessing. May you not miss your full inheritance. That was part one of this series, Open Up Your Doors. Today we go on to part two of One Big Family in Christ, looking at Open Up Your Eyes. Our key scripture for today, Luke chapter 10, 
verse 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to verse 37. It is famously called the parable of the good Samaritan. It says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the, on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Verse 37. And he said, he who showed mercy on him then jesus said to him go and do likewise may the lord bless his word this is a story of love and compassion and in this season of reach one look at how to reach out with the love of christ and bring people into one family in christ so just before this parable the 70 disciples jesus sent out had just returned very excited with testimonies of souls saved and demons cast out now after jesus christ explained the authority of the believer and the power of salvation bible says a certain lawyer say a certain lawyer special greetings to all lawyers here a certain lawyer came to Jesus with two questions. Question one, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Interestingly, this question had been asked of Jesus 19 times in his ministry. 19 different times in his ministry, people had come to him. The most famous one being the one we like, Nicodemus what shall i do to inherit eternal life 
But the lawyer or scribe didn't ask the question with a genuine heart. The Bible says he sought to test him. Now the scribes, just to give us context, were very legalistic people. These were the, the strict advocates of the law. And they had issues with Jesus because they felt he was constantly deviating from their understanding of the law. So what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus answered in perfect manner. He says, what does the law say? The law that you love, what does it say? And the scribe said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. I can imagine him saying it with almost poetic understanding. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. I am sure by the time the scribe finished reading what the Lord said, he knew that he himself had failed. Because all have fallen short of the glory of God. He himself reading knew that he had not loved the Lord his God with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his strength, and with all his mind. And he hadn't loved his neighbor as himself. But he was being legalistic about how to find eternal life. And so the Bible says, seeking to justify himself, he asked question two. And by the way, who is my neighbor? This is a multi-dimensional question that had both spiritual and social connotations. Who is my neighbor? So Christ responded with the parable. A man was traveling this 27 kilometer journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. Those who like miles is 17 miles. And the Bible says he went down. Now this descent was both physical and you could also say spiritual. Jerusalem was situated on a mount 2,500 feet above sea level. How many of you have climbed Mount Afajatu or they call it Mount Afaja or Afajatu? How many have climbed it before? So the rest of you, you don't climb mountains? Alright, so the peak of Mount Afaja or Afajatu is 2,905 feet above sea level. Jerusalem was 2,500. So you are literally almost at the height of Al-Fajatu. That was where Jerusalem was. 2,500 feet above sea level. Interestingly, Jericho was way below. About 850 feet below sea level. So the man's journey from Jerusalem to Jericho, if you are a mathematician, could be called about 3,350 feet descending from Jerusalem to Jericho. That was the physical descent. But it was also spiritual because Jerusalem was called the city of God. The city of peace. The city of David. A place where you will want to dwell. Who doesn't want to dwell where God is? But Jericho had two names, two meanings that were very interesting. 
The first meaning of Jericho is a place of fragrance. Every fragrance is attractive. But the second meaning of Jericho is the city of the moon god. So my understanding of Jericho is a place that it looks nice, it smells nice, but when you come close, it is luring you into destruction. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Proverbs 14 and the verse 12. So this man is leaving the place where God is to the place where the moon God is. In the time of Christ, this road was also notable for being a very dangerous place where armed robbers operated. The very nature of the road, descending and meandering or winding, meant that you could curve and suddenly find the robbers waiting for you. Now, to make it worse, there were several caves in the caves. So you would not even see the robbers, but just when you curve, they will spring out of the cave and then they will attack you. That is the road the man was on when he was attacked. Now, this Jewish man was beaten, stripped of his clothes, wounded, and left half dead. That's what the Bible says. My dear friends, there are many people walking on this road of life who have been beaten. Not just physically. Beaten by their challenges. Beaten by their failures. Beaten by sin. Beaten by rejection. I once, on our travels in ministry and people development, met a woman who said, Sofu, she said it in front I'm trying to translate into English, but sometimes the English language doesn't do justice. Do you understand, Fanti? She said, Sofu, this is what is left. Life has beaten me so much that I am standing in front of you, but this is what is left of me. And she began to narrate one thing after another. And halfway through the story, I understood Mawakani. She says, life has lashed me and I am literally finished. Sometimes somebody walks into the church, the house of the Lord, and is simply saying, Mawakani. Beaten by their landlord demanding their rent that they cannot pay. Beaten by a job that they've been hunting for for the past two years. Beaten by sin that they are trying to overcome that they are asking themselves, when shall I? Mawakani. So this man was beaten and left, Bible says, half dead. At that point in time, you would say, he needs somebody from the church to come and help. Two very notable people from the church appeared on the scene. The first was a pastor. The priest is a clergyman, what you would call a pastor. Someone who offers sacrifices every single day. He saw the man and Bible says he passed on the other side. Now, why would a person who offers sacrifices to God every day see a broken, helpless, vulnerable person and pass by on the other side? My own judgment was that he was in a hurry going to church. 
in a hurry to go to the law. The Bible says the Levite got to this man and he was even more special than the priest. At least when the priest saw him afar off, he just moved to the other side. The Bible says the Levite came close and looked and still, like the priest, went and passed the other side. Ask somebody, but why? Ask the person, but why? Look at a, ch a church worker and ask the person, but why? I want to excuse the Levite's behavior because priests and Levites were not supposed to come near dead bodies. So he was coming to check whether the guy was alive. And the guy was not dead. In Numbers 19 verse 11, it says that whoever touches the, a body of a dead person shall be unclean for seven days. So I am excusing the Levite that maybe he was trying to be sure that the guy was not dead. Because if the guy was dead and he touched him, he would be banned from church work for the next seven days. But he got there, the guy was not dead. He pulled out his phone and did Facebook live or Instagram live and still left the guy to die and went away. Before you judge the priest and the Levite, is it possible that if you came upon somebody in an accident, you pull out your phone and take a picture like we normally do, post on Facebook and still leave the person to die? Is it familiar? Tell somebody, God have mercy on us. Put your right hand on your chest and say, God have mercy. If you are like me, say, I repent. Is it possible that in the course of your life, every day you come across people who really need you and you turn your back? Either because one, you are unwilling to commit your time. That's the first reason. You are unwilling to commit your time. You are in a hurry to go and do something more important. So the person next to you, sometimes even the leftover food from your table can feed one whole family. And you know. And yet you pass them by and throw it away and you come and worship with your two hands in the skies. Are we not all guilty? Unwilling to commit time. The second reason why we behave like the priest and the Levite is that we are unwilling to associate ourselves to contaminate ourselves. These people, they are not, they are not like us. They are sinners. You are in a hurry to judge somebody that they are sinners and therefore you, you don't even want to be seen talking to them. I was interviewing my good friend, Father Campbell, and he said to me, Albert, one day I was sitting at I don't want to mention the name of the runabout because you, you, you can guess already. I was at a particular runabout and I was talking to the prostitutes and, it, and all those who passed could see me because of my, my, my attire. The white gown I wear, when you see me, you will see. And he says, one person saw me and rolled down the glass to be sure if it was me. And he saw that it was me. So he went around the runabout and came back again and said, Father. And then I waved the person. And he says, the person was shocked and thinking, am I soliciting He says, but Albert, who must preach to them? And he says, guess what? Sunday, I was in church. They closed and two beautiful ladies came to me and said, Father, last night, last night. And I said, last night, what? And he says, we were the ones you spoke to 
at the roundabout he said oh my goodness and he says he hugged them and said welcome to jesus and welcome to the house of the lord oh come on stop judging that person stop pushing that person away and saying you don't qualify in the house of god everyone qualifies this is the house of jesus everyone is welcome here the drunkard is welcome here even if they are blowing fuse let them come in what is your problem this is the house of jesus you are worried that the person is blowing fuse but the person knows that this is the only place they can find help don't worry too much it's not about you it's about jesus let the drunkard come let the prostitute come allow them to come this is the house of the lord if you agree with me put your hands together the third reason why they disqualified the the the, the man one was unwillingness to commit time two was unwillingness to achieve themselves the third reason is too much risk too much risk because the road was still dangerous the caves were still there those who were hurrying were hurrying so that the same robbers would not come back if you stopped what if they pounced again sometimes you say it is too risky to help this person this drug addict what if he, one day he gets high and then he jumps you see it has been too risky but that is the work of the lord amen and then one samaritan an outsider not a church person not looking like you not dressing like you came by and for context the jews recognized the samaritans as their greatest enemies the two disagreed about where god's people should worship the jews say mount zion jerusalem the samaritans say mount garrison near shechem they even went ahead and built their own their own temple there and the jews regarded it as a pagan place they hated themselves so much that the jews would rather cross mount jordan than uh, uh, river jordan than go through samaria and and get into contact with the samaritan so they didn't agree i don't want to mention a football club and another football club or two very strong or some old school groups whenever they meet even at 90 there's still a fight is it familiar so the samaritan traveler had no incentive and no obligation to help the man but when we say we are building one big family in christ there are a few things we can learn from this interesting man number one he opened his eyes tell somebody open your eyes two men saw the dying man and moved to the other side but one man saw him and saw differently he opened his eyes and saw a critical need and he says if i don't do something this man will die he may be a jew but he needs help if i do nothing this man will not get help when you see people who are vulnerable helpless beaten by life do you see a burden and look away or an opportunity to share Christ the second thing the Samaritan did is that he opened his heart not only did he open his eyes he's opened also his heart instead of judging the man and saying but you, who, who told you to pass this road alone 
who told you not to get security and we can judge people when they're in trouble and 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 they say hindsight makes everyone a wise person how did you even travel alone bible says he felt a sense of compassion what is compassion compassion is being sympathetically conscious of others in distress and a strong desire to help you can have a sense of empathy for somebody in trouble and move on compassion is where you see their trouble and you are willing to help and in this year of gathering in this season of reach we must be filled with compassion in this church that we call the new wine temple that we declare that we are one big family in christ we must have a sense of compassion compassion literally means suffering together so i can imagine the man seeing the dying man and his heart beating faster his physical heart was pumping blood but his spirit was pumping compassion feeling for the man who was dying his love did not prejudice the man and say he's not one of us he's not like us i don't like the way his hair is i don't like the way her nails are i don't like the school she went to i don't like the ethnic group he or she belongs to hey tell somebody it's all about jesus the samaritan man did not discriminate he had compassion if you will serve the lord in this year of gathering look beyond tribal barriers look beyond gender barriers look beyond economic barriers look beyond professional barriers ask somebody what is the name of this person and he said he's a security man and i said but what is his name the person did not even think that genuinely did not think that somebody doing that kind of profession deserved to have his name known and i said to the person this is his name this is his wife's name this is his firstborn's name this is his secondborn's name this is how old his firstborn is this is how old the secondborn is and the person was looking like at me like this to the person you are just a cleaner but to christ you are somebody with a destiny today you may be cleaning but tomorrow your destiny will not be the same in christ jesus there is no pilot and cleaner there is no engineer and security man all of us are one big family in christ if you believe why don't you put your hands together the politician is welcome the cleaner is welcome the pilot is welcome the security man is welcome because we are one big family in christ he opened his eyes he opened his heart third thing he opened his arms the good samaritan did not do what most of us do when we see somebody in need he didn't say i will pray for you and move away he demonstrated physical action he cleaned the wound stopped the blood and did everything he knew right there 
Bible says he poured in the oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. He comes into our hearts, convicts us of sin, gives us his gifts, and helps us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. Reach out to somebody with the Holy Spirit. Then he poured in the oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. The wine represents the blood of Christ. Share the love of Christ with someone. Redemption from sin. Healing for their hearts. Healing for their bodies. And the man could have stopped there and said, listen, I've given you first aid. You are cool. And then moved on. But he made a very important decision. Put the man on his own donkey. And traveled the rest of the journey with him. Was it risky? Yes. Why did he do that? He says, listen, what shall it profit you if I give you salvation and leave you out there to go back into sin? So it may cost me, but I will bring you into the house of God where you can be nurtured, where you can be pastored, where you can be cared for, and week after week, your life can be transformed. Hallelujah. That was what the good Samaritan did. The fourth thing, he opened his possessions. His possessions. No cost is too high for someone's salvation. Many of you can testify about a time when you took your car and drove from East Legon all the way to Community 25 to go and pick the person from there and bring them all the way back to East Legon for church and drove them back to Community 25 and came back asking yourself, but who sent me? That is compassion. If you have ever done that before, put your hands together for yourself. Ah, so the rest who didn't clap, you have not sacrificed for somebody before. May the Lord help you. May the Lord forgive you. Next week, take your car, take your Uber, take your whatever means of transport you have, and go and hold somebody's hand and bring them to church. Next week is open up your containers. Are you ready for it? Go and hold somebody and bring them into the house of the Lord. And finally, for today, the man opened up his time. Bible says, after taking him to the hotel, he stayed personally at the hotel overnight and cared for him and paid a deposit of two, two denarii and said, listen, this will cover the cost up to some point, but it may not be enough. I am going. I will even come back. If there is extra cost for caring for this man, it's my responsibility. I will come and pay for it. He said, I will come back. I will, wherever I'm going, I will travel back to come and take care of this man. God has graciously given each of us 24 hours a day. Seven days in a week. Even if you slept for eight hours in a day, you still have 16 hours a day times seven days a week, 112 hours in a week. How much of that have you given to the Lord? And how much of that have you given to his house? How many people have you met who are in need and you've brought them to the Lord? How many friends, loved ones, schoolmates do you know who need the Lord and you have turned to the other side. Today, if you are like me, just wave your right hand and say, I repent. 
don't be too busy doing your work, making money, prospering, making progress, that a soul doesn't matter to you. Everyone matters. The good Samaritan opened his eyes, opened his heart, opened his arms, opened his possessions, and opened his time. That is what the Lord is asking us to do. And next week we will find out how do we open it and who do we open it to. And when we meet them, what would the Lord have us do? Please bow down your heads with me today. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for today. Thank you for the authority of your word. Thank you that today we can come before you repenting in our hearts and asking for forgiveness. Forgiveness for the way we have treated our fellow man and fellow woman. We have turned our backs on them. We have not loved them enough. We have not showed enough compassion. Forgive us. Use us to touch lives. Use us to bless humanity. And use us to bring transformation in Jesus' mighty name.